Father, thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to give up everything you had to become one of us. And that your, your desire is that everyone would open their hearts to you. God, I pray that that would be the case this morning. That if we are withholding anything, and especially those that are not yet convinced to become followers of Jesus, God, may the truths of what we've already sung, may they sink deep into our hearts. Father, I pray that the words that we look at from Scripture in a few moments, that it would be life-changing. And that all of us would come to a place that we recognize that the good news is not just for others. It's for, for me. It's for you. God, may, may we open our hearts to you. May we be grateful that you have come to pursue us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's so good to have you. You may be seated. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn uh, to Luke And we're in Luke chapter 2 today. I have some amazing news for everyone today. And the thing that excites me about this is that I want you to know this. You are not the exception to the rule. For what I am about to say coming out of scripture and what you have just sung about, the truths and the lyrics that we've looked at, All that God wants for you, you are not the exception. I want you to know that the exception is not found in your situation. And the the evil one wants you to listen to all the things saying that that God wants to come near. He wants to come alongside you. He wants to uh, come into your life and to make a difference. Uh, But the tendency can be for us to think of all the reasons why we are not good enough for that. None of us are. And the good news is that we're none of us, none of us are exempt. In fact, it's in holy uncertainty where God does his best work. We have been, that has been our hypothesis for the entire Christmas season, and it won't stop, by the way, because it's in uncertainty. And in today, we're going to talk about disruption and the story that you're going to hear and the closing song that you're going to hear this morning. You talk about disruption Something You're headed in one direction, something happens, and you're disrupted and moved to the next, uh, next uh, arena. Uh, I want you to know that it's in holy uncertainty. It's in holy uncertainty that God does his best work. We've defined uncer- holy uncertainty this way. Holy uncertainty is the capacity to live with a loose grip or no grip at all on our disruption is what we're going to look at today. I mean, imagine if we, if we would actually, in, in the midst of all disruption, whatever has come or may come, uh, this is not just uh, specific for today, but what may come, God's holy, holiness and his, his desire to come alongside us, imagine living with a, with a capacity to say, I'm going to take my hands off of the current disruption, and in fact, I'm going to take it a step further I'm going to take my hands off the outcome of whatever this disruption brings. Imagine what could happen in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about today. And how do we do that? We focus on the who, not the what or the how. 
What the evil one wants you to do is to look at the disruption that happens in your life, and he wants you to be so focused on the problem, so focused on on the what is the issue, that you forget who you belong to. And the good news of Christmas that we will carry on throughout the rest of the year is is God with us, the creator of the universe, comes alongside and says, I'm with you, and I can cause all things to to work together for good. I can cause disruption. I can use the disruption that happens in your life and bring goodness out of it. So today what we want to talk about is living in holy uncertainty in the middle of disruption. And here's what I want to say, and then we'll prove it scripturally. Your present disruption is the perfect environment for God to do amazing work in you, through you, around you. You are not the exception to that statement. Think about that statement for just a moment. Muse on it. Let it sink in. That which you don't want to happen, that which you have no control over, that which still may come, you need to know that God does his best work in that kind of environment. And he wants to take the current disruption in your life, and he wants to do amazing things in you, through you, and around you. And we're going to see this happen in the passage that we're going to look at. If you've been doing the, uh, the Bible readings uh, that we've been doing here at New Cove uh, over through the uh, Advent season, we've been reading through the book of Luke. Here's what I want you to know. This is amazing because the, you talk about someone who was disrupted. Look at the disruption in Jesus' life, and I'm just pulling out the readings that we had, had this past week. We have a man that interrupts Jesus. Jesus is on his way somewhere, and this guy is possessed. He is a crazy man, and he disrupts the, the, the plan of where Jesus is going, disrupts Jesus, and Jesus comes in contact with this guy, and he brings the man to his right mind. Later on in, in, in chapter 5, a guy uh, has leprosy. Everybody else is afraid of the lepers, and Jesus pursues, comes right up to the leper, and he brings healing to this guy. It's not long after that he comes along across a, a guy who is paralyzed, had been paralyzed from birth. And Jesus in, encounters him, and it is this disruptive moment that Jesus is disrupted by someone breaking through the, the roof, and they lower this guy who has, has been, uh, has amazing small group, his, his, his killer small group, actually. And they, they take him, they're willing to break through a roof because they want this guy to experience the presence of Jesus. And Jesus disrupted in the middle of his talking. Thank you for not doing that to me, by the way. But here he is in the midst of talking and break through the roof. And here comes a guy and they just say, we want you to heal this man. And Jesus heals him. Jesus takes off. He's so tired. He takes a nap in a boat. And this huge storm come up, comes up. And his, uh, his disciples are freaking out around him. And they said, don't you even care about us? We're about to die. And Jesus stands up and he just speaks calmness over this storm. And immediately there's calm. Again. Jesus was disrupted. I don't know about you, but I do not like to be disrupted in the middle of a nap. Jesus, disrupted in the nap, instead of chewing out his disciples, he says, all right, guys, watch, watch this. He gets to the other side of the the lake where uh, he just calmed the storm, and this guy is demon-possessed, has seven different demons in him. 
and he comes and tries to mess up Jesus and his disciples and Jesus loves the guy and encounters this disruptive situation and brings healing to the man a little girl uh, dies in, uh, and they come up and, and tell Jesus that she's died and Jesus said I don't think so and he brings healing to her Jesus comes across a woman who's been sick for 12 years sick for 12 years and she just touches him, disrupts him from where he was going. And Jesus turns and has compassion, being in the midst of disruption, and yet he brings healing to her. Oh, and by the way, he, so he's doing some amazing teaching, and people stick around, and they're really hungry. And so they start complaining about they're hungry, and Jesus feeds 5,000 people plus, being disrupted. He comes across... Uh, a crippled woman who's been crippled for 18 years brings healing to her. A blind man who he, he, he's in the mid, Jesus headed, headed to Jericho and this blind man hears, who, hears this, this noise and said, who is it? I've heard of Jesus and he cries out and everybody else tries to tell the guy to be quiet, don't bother Jesus, he's too important and Jesus stops and turns around and asks the man, so what do you want for Christmas? What do you want? I want to see. And Jesus heals him. Listen, all of those healings were in the midst of disruption. You will never experience a disruption that is bigger than God. And it's that space, it's that tension between disruption and solution. That's the place where God is doing his best work. And we try to rush through it. I do. I'm impatient. But it's that, it's that space when the, dis, when the disruption happens and the solution is found where Jesus does his best work. And so my question would be, what has the last nine months revealed in you? What is it revealing? And Jesus wants to come alongside and he wants to do an amazing work in you first and through you and around you. Before we jump into Luke chapter 2, uh, I read this from Max Lucado this week. It said, change always brings fear before it brings faith. God interrupts our lives with something we've never seen, and rather than praise, we panic. We interpret the presence of a problem as the absence of God. Wow. Merry Christmas to that one. Oh, my word, this so can be said about me that I interpret the presence of a problem as the absence of God and, a, and run for relief instead of running to God. And so what we're going to look at, today's takeaway is God's rescue mission is not undermined by disruption. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all returned to their own ancestral homes to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. By the way, you would never want to say that to a pregnant woman. Just saying. 
And while they were there, they came, uh, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and lay him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Let's talk about disruption. This entire passage is so full of disruption. The Emperor Augustus could not have known that his edict issued for taxation purposes would force a Galilean carpenter, Joseph, and his pregnant wife to hike more than 90 miles. Take a look at the map. And so they have to travel 90 miles, and it's not clear walkway or pathways at all. And here's what I want you to understand, that God used Caesar's disruptive move. This was not the best time for Mary, obviously. It was not the best time for Joseph. You talk about a disruption. God uses a disruption to move Mary and Joseph 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill his word found in Micah. Augustus Caesar was ruling but God was in charge. So Micah 5.2, if you've been around New Cub for several years, you've heard this, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come uh, for one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Brett talked about that last week. Fulfilling the promising, God uses the disruptive move of Caesar Augustus. He uses that to get Jesus to where he needs to be to be born. And you talk about incredible odds. Brett talked about that last week, so let me add to that. It would have been like, uh, that was 800 years before, the, uh, before Jesus was born. 800 years this is spoken about him. At that time, there were three continents, and so they're saying out of the three continents, they're going to find a person 800 years from now to be born. That would be like someone in 1220 predicting a birth in Wahoo. 1220 predicting somebody to be born in Wahoo in 2020. So Rome would take this census every 14 years for both the military and tax purposes, and they would have the Jewish male uh, head of the household to return to the city of his father to record his name, his occupation, to have to lay out all of his uh, property and, and to name the, the family. And God uses this disruptive move of Caesar Augustus to get Jesus where he needs to be. And also, you need to know this, unbeknownst to Joseph, Bethlehem's proximity to Egypt would make it easier for the Holy Family to escape when King Herod disrupts everything and says, I'm going to kill the baby, all the baby boys. Again, Augustus Caesar was ruling, but God was in charge. He still is. You are not the exception to the rule. Whatever disruption you are encountering or will encounter, somebody else may be in charge, but God is still, or may be ruling, but God is in charge. God's rescue mission is not undermined by the uncertainty of disruption. God is not stymied by the impossible. The impossible is where he starts. You ought to have your phones out taking a picture of that. Let me put it this way. God is not stymied by your impossible situation. 
your impossible is where God starts. So what was the role of Mary and Joseph? Mary and Joseph, they were simply to be obedient to what God told them to do. In the midst of disruption, which made no sense, it was very inconvenient. But remember, Jesus heals in the midst of inconvenience. Our job is to be obedient, to say yes to him. We quoted Denison Form a couple weeks ago. Obedience positions us to experience what grace chooses to give. There's grace awaiting everybody in your disruptive moment. There's grace waiting to be offered, but all we simply need to do is to offer our lives to Jesus Christ. Verse 5. So he took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant, and while they were there, the time came for her, to, uh, for, for her to give birth to the baby. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, lay him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them in the inn. Uh, Karen and I have been reading a book by Max Licato uh, called In the Manger, and it's uh, for the Advent season. So just sit back. Drink your hot chocolate and listen to this. The noise and the bustle began earlier than usual in the, in the village. Vendors were positioning themselves on the corners of the most heavily traveled avenues. Store owners were unlocking the doors to their shops. Children were awakened by the excited barking of the street dogs and the complaints of donkeys pulling carts. The owner of the inn had awakened earlier than most in the town. After all, the inn was full, all the beds taken, Every available mat or blanket had been put to use. Soon all the customers would be stirring and there would be a lot of work to do. One's imagination is kindled thinking about the conversation of the innkeeper and his family at the breakfast table. Did anyone mention the arrival of a young couple the night before? Did anyone ask about their welfare or comment on the pregnancy of the girl on the donkey? Perhaps someone raised the subject, but at best it was raised, not discussed. There was nothing that novel about them. They were possibly one of several families turned away that night. Besides, who had time to talk about them when there was so much excitement in the air? Augustus had done the economy of Bethlehem a favor when he decreed that a census should be taken. Who could remember when such uh, commerce hit that village? No, it's doubtful that anyone mentioned the couple's arrival or wondered about the condition of the girl. They were too busy the day was upon them. The day's bread had to be made. The morning chores had to be done. There was much to do to imagine that an impossible had occurred. God had entered the world as a baby. Meanwhile, the city hummed. Listen to this. The merchants were unaware that God had visited their planet. The innkeeper would never believe that he had just sent God into the cold. Those who missed his majesty's arrival missed it not because of evil acts or malice. No, they missed it because they simply weren't looking. The story of Christmas is about where we're going to look. It's not what we're going to do. It's where we're going to look. Are we going to look to God? The innkeeper missed a prime opportunity. He missed the biggest blessing of his life. You know, it's amazing what happens in the midst of disruption, isn't it? 
So many of you took $100, and many of you doubled it. Many of you came alongside other people and came in. Let me, let me just share a couple of disruptive moments for people who were the recipients. So I decided that I would double. This is Percy's writing saying, I decided before I picked up the $100, I would double it. There's a young lady, very, very young at work, who has a little girl. I gave the, uh, I gave, I asked her uh, uh, what what she was going to do uh, for Christmas and what she was getting her little daughter, but she said I have have no money and my fiance just lost their job lost their job yesterday. I asked her what she would get her if she just had some money and she said I can't think of it because it just makes me too sad to think I have nothing to give. I told her what our church was doing and I told her God led me to give you this money. I told her it was a gift from God. She said thank you before she even opened the envelope. Disruptive moment there. How about this disruptive moment? As soon as I heard about the $100, I felt God calling me to add to that $100 before we picked it up. I immediately called someone who knew about children who need to be encouraged. He shared with me, the person I talked to, shared with me the exact family that needed assistance. A grandmother had taken two of her granddaughters into her home because of extenuating circumstances. She had a small two-bedroom apartment and now has a one-year-old and a three-year-old. They needed basic necessities such as diapers and cold-weather gear. I also found out about an 18-year-old child who's aging out of the foster care system who has very little support trying to graduate from high school and also is, is pregnant, and I bless them both with the money. Disruptive moment. How about this one? Our cafeteria manager at the school works two jobs, has a young son, and I handed her the money, and she just kept crying and saying, you have no idea. You have no idea. You see, God uses disruptive moments. He comes alongside, and he has not only does he want to do something in you, he wants to do something through you and around you. There's power in disruption. We don't like it, but God does his best work in disruptive moments. Let me pray before I finish. I, I want to pray uh, this particular prayer I came across, uh, and will you just in, in, encounter this prayer. Holy Spirit, Open my eyes to the needs around me. Keep me looking for people in our dark, dying, and desperate world who have nothing left to give. Open my eyes to the needs of those who are closest to me, and I offer myself as a sacrifice to be used by you. Use me to love them and help them in the name of Jesus. Help me see that you, loving them through me, are an infinitely more valuable gift than anything money can buy. Just the power of saying, God, will you use me? You know, Mary, it says that she wrapped the baby in swaddling clothes. She had no one there. How alone she must have felt in that disruptive move in that moment. And from that uncertainty of disruption... God was working a bigger plan of redemption. Little did Mary know where all this was headed. 
You talk about socially distanced. They were all alone, and yet God had not forgotten them, and God has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten the plan that he has for you. The issue in these disrupted moments is to realize that God is, wants to do amazing work in the midst of disruption. So instead of dismissing or trying to get through the disruption, but we look to God and say, God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? What do you want to do around me in this disruptive moment? Would you work a miracle? Because there is no disruption that is bigger than God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you use disruptive moments to bring about amazing things. And there are times that, that we feel alone. We feel like, how in the world are we going to make it through this? What else could happen in 2020? God, may our eyes not be on 2020. May our eyes be on you. May our eyes not be on 2021. May our eyes be on you, the one who's bigger and greater than any disruption. Father, we commit our hearts to you, and I pray that our eyes will be upon you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you're on our platform uh, at New Cove uh, platform, there's a place for you to put in prayer requests. But this is how we want to pray that God would do amazing things in the disrupted moments that you may be experiencing or will experience, that you would look to him uh, if you're not on the platform, and obviously uh, folks here in, uh, in person, you can take your phone and 402-260-2400. Uh, and if you'll then just text the word respond, there is an area for you to uh, scroll down. And it gives us an opportunity as a prayer team uh, to pray that your eyes would be on the who, not the what, or the how. This will be an amazing opportunity to have people pray for you.